Welcome to In The Smut. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And I'm Jordan Searles. And today we have a fantastic guest. He's a comedian. He's also a podcaster. He hosts uh, the Frat Chat podcast. He's a wonderful person. And he also just won Best LGBTQ Screenplay for... uh, You can tell us the name of the competition because my brain is melting. Chris Moore. (laughs) Oh, Hi. How are you? Um, it's it's a it's a London based uh, uh, competition, just best script awards, and uh, I got uh, best LGBTQ screenplay in the short category. We love it. Uh, my, a little baby. A little baby. Yeah. The best little baby you know, that the world that's needed. Awesome. Well, thanks. It's wonderful. And today we we have you here to help us unpack. Um, a recent film, 2015, although I will say 2015 feels like very long ago, <laughs> given how the world is. Uh, it's called Beautiful Something. And this was directed by Joseph Graham. He also uh, he directed um, another film called Strapped in 2010. Um, and he also directed a film called Vanilla, 2004. Um, which the description sounds fascinating. A young gay photographer finds the body of a serial killer and starts having dreams in which the man's victims return. I feel like I'm going to watch that because I'm fascinated and also terrified. Um, and he won, what did he win? He won an award, a nomination for, uh, viewers voice award. Oh, interesting. At the San Jose film festival for vanilla. For his 2004 movie, so he's uh, he's made a few films, all uh, gay love and slash erotica. You know, you know those, you know those are not, you know those are not. Um, yeah, this is his most recent, and so a film every five years. Yes, exactly, and I think that's like a good pace, right? It's a doable yeah. pace. And this is um this is a slice of life. It's uh it's about four men's experiences during the course of one night, which is something I had to remind myself while watching because I always just stretch things out time wise in my mind. Um, you know, I'm always kind of like, oh yeah, you're doing a lot of things. This must be over the course of weeks. But wait, 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 wait. This is over the course of one night. Yes. I totally one night. So much happened. No, this is too much. This is too much for one night. Like I'm already <laughs> just like, what? Yeah, it, it's, it's what? especially when you think about, you know, when we get into the characters, how one of the characters has sex with like four, three or four people. He <laughs> 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 was such a skin. Yeah. I don't even know how to begin with him. He he was he was a mess. Um, but but my my biggest like pet peeve is what time of year was this movie? Why are some of them wearing like one's wearing a white beater on a bike, showing off his tattoos at the end, while the while the one he's talking to is bundled up in like a winter jacket, a hat, and gloves? I just don't understand. Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, the clothing and the weather. Like the weather makes me think of, even though this is set in Philly, the weather makes me think of Seattle because it's very 
just like blank slate, like, is this fall or spring or a weird summer day or winter? I don't know. And I don't know what year you it is. breath in some of the scenes. It's wild because like in, in, in the scene, sometimes it feels like different times of day while you're watching it. And I don't understand. Yeah. Like sometimes it feels like night. Um, sometimes it feels like day. T- sometimes it feels like morning. And I don't <laughs> yeah, the light is different, which makes me also wonder, are you, is it supposed to just be so fragmented? Not memento style, not like you need to, you know, piece it together necessarily because you can, very much figure out like the order of events but like is it just like oh actually this moment smoking happened earlier but you don't need to know <laughs> right you know, I, I think they, they kind of messed things up when they they started it off uh at a a gay bar yeah but it was empty which leads me to believe it was an after hour bar mm-hmm. the bars that you know aren't really popping until the other bars close uh so then when they revisited that bar and it was popping um, I would assume that it was probably two something in the morning or later. Uh, but then what threw me off was when um, the beautiful something, you know, the kid that was, uh, I think his name was Jim. Jim and the old guy were at a restaurant. I'm like, what restaurant is open that late? It makes no sense to me. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, where, where are they eating? Um, you know, this... And just the way that everybody is acting, like we haven't even gotten to the plot yet, but this reminds me of like if Brett Easton Ellis wrote a story with no women in it. Yeah, and you could I mean you could listen on tape and just like uh let us know what you think. Yeah. I mean he wrote you know, he wrote American Psycho, so it's a little taste of his style. Yeah. Um, Not American Psycho though. Like I would say read uh, the rules of attraction might, de- well, they'll all depress you. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. Like the rules of attraction or less than zero. Don't trust the movie version of less than zero because I don't know why, but the movie version is just like an anti-drug movie. When in the book, it, no one is anti-drugs. Everybody is just doing drugs. Oh, um, so it's New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, it's West village in New York. I'm familiar. <laughs> But yeah, this movie, <laughs> exactly. Like, all of these characters is it's very hard to really parse out what's going on. Like I think, okay, so there's a writer guy. Who yes, is his Brian. name is Brian, uh-huh. and the actor's boy. name is Brian Shepard. Yeah, yeah, and Brian. Um, I mean, there's so much going on with him. Like, he he fucks Jim, and then Jim's, like, very cold to him afterwards. And then he, like, stalks Jim for a little bit later in the movie, which is, like, kind of weird. And then there's also the thing with, like, his roommate slash best friend where it's, like, they fucked once, and then the roommate's like, no, I'd rather be with women. And that, I don't know why, but I want to talk about that first, because when I was watching that scene... All I was thinking is that this is really the best case scenario with you fucking your straight friend. Like, this is the best outcome yeah. that you could possibly have. Like, he was just like, we did it. I love you. It was beautiful. I don't want to be with any other men. I just want to have this one experience with you. It's just this gay thing is like not for me, but what we had was special. And I was like, that is the most compassionate that he could be. He could be so much worse, I feel like. Well, you know, I I felt bad. So I think the guy's name was Dan, his friend. Um, 
uh, I felt bad for him because then Brian's like, I wrote a whole book of poetry about that night. Like, I'm in love with you. And Dan was so compelled. He's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. Never going (laughs) to happen. I, you know, that's why, you know, it's hard when, when you're a gay man, sometimes it's just easier to be mean to other gay men because sometimes when you're nice to people, they misconstrue that for feelings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, feel, I feel like Brian is everything I hate about the gay community. It's like you, <laughs> they just, they just misconstrue, you know, this is the way I see it. The way I see it is. <laughs> Okay, when when heterosexual people, when they're younger, maybe high school, um, they might catch feelings early. You know, you know Joe Schmo might, might carry home Susie Q's books, and she's like, oh, my God, are we going to get married? You know, um, well, well, young gay boys like me, we didn't do any of that stuff. We kept our nose in the book because we, we weren't trying to be um, outed. You know, we were just uh, keeping to ourselves. So it wasn't until we started going to gay bars for the first time in our early 20s that we are um, starting to explore romance. And so at the age of 22, someone's buying me a drink at the bar and I'm like, oh my God, are we going to get married? Is he the one? <laughs> That's what I feel like with, with, with Brian. He's just, he just catches feelings too fast. It's like, yo, slow down, buddy. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a marathon, not a sprint. He does have like a very um, written a book of poetry about one person. I I wouldn't tell them about it. No way. You can keep writing. (laughs) Oh, Christ almighty. Yeah. Like Brian has, he does have a very high school approach to the way that he interprets like sex. Right. It's very like, I, I mean, everyone has a different relationship with sex, but he's very much like we had sex. So therefore, we're dating. Like that means something. Like stage like, five clinger. Yeah, yeah, and it does feel very like I don't know. You lose your virginity, and then you're like, well, obviously, we're gonna you know be partners. We're gonna get married or something. Except he is. We don't know how old he's supposed to be, but I assume he's in his thirties. You know, he's not. He doesn't even look like he's in his twenties. So it makes it extra like jarring that he like i mean the the movie opens up on him uh in this empty gay bar and he talks to this this young guy comes in who's obviously uncomfortable he's obviously uh, not comfortable with his sexuality oh, his name's chris. chris of course <laughs> fucking chris right and he's he's just like it's like once Chris walks in, Brian's legs like open up and he's like facing Chris. <laughs> he's like spread eagle and he's like, do you want a drink? <laughs> Jordan, Brown and I watched this together and I was like, I was like whoa, 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 whoa. The bartender can't even pour a fucking drink. What is that? He poured that beer just now? That's a mess. Already turned off. I was like, this is a fucking <laughs> mess. Um, but, uh, but, but, but that their transaction was problematic to me for a lot of reasons. Uh, so, so Chris, um, I, 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 I can tell that an older gay wrote this because older gays, uh, tend, tend to, live by the whole buy now gay later it's almost as if um i think the older gay community doesn't believe that bisexuality exists among men so uh it's the whole buy now gay later like oh they're in a phase this is a stepping stone into homosexuality that's where i thought that um storyline was going uh but i i did not like that their first kiss was back at the apartment like why would you go home with someone and then kiss they no, had a, it doesn't make sense. Right. Like, what? 
Who like wrote normally this? you would be making out at the bar or like outside or something and then you decide totally. okay let's go hook up so that to me was weird and then also this was the only moment in the entire movie that there's even any reference of um safe sex he says should i he's like wait let me grab a condom and he never grabbed a condom so i thought to myself like this is so problematic for young gays that are watching this uh because i i, I think that there's a misconception that barebacking is an appropriate fetish because it's very problematic and dangerous for our community now the fuck is wrong with these people like the fuck it's a stranger you don't even know his name and you and you're raw dogging the fuck Yeah, and that scene, like, this is, like, you know, the second scene where they're, like, back after meeting, and we really don't know anything about either of them. We know that Brian's a writer because the movie opens up with him on his typewriter, right? And then he goes to the bar, and then he meets meets this guy, this young kid who's like, I have a girlfriend, I don't know, but also I want you to fuck me. And then they're, like, fucking, and it's, like, definitely, like, it wants you to see them fucking like, like it's like they're fucking without a condom. And then, and then the young guy is like, I gotta go. He's like freaked out. And, um, they showed his ween and I was like, why is that necessary? Not that I'm opposed to seeing weens. I'm just like, does that add to the story? Okay. It's like, he, he came out of the bathroom, butt naked. It's like, here's my body. <laughs> you know? It's like, Oh, okay. Prepare Great. yourself. <laughs> my body <laughs> is ready. <laughs> What a mess. But that's when I, we really first start to see that Brian, I mean, Brian from the get is like really possessive. Like he's like freaking out that this young guy is leaving. Like he's like, you're just going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah dude, this is what happens. Welcome to a hookup. This is what we call one night stand. Right. Yeah. And Brian's way of dealing with it is immediately going and climbing through the window of his straight friend who was his roommate, um, to be like, I wrote this poetry. I can't stop thinking about you. I'm like, have you even washed your dick yet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know because at the very beginning, what, what I thought was was nice about the very very beginning when he wakes up, he's in like a dirty grungy apartment. He immediately looks in the mirror and he starts working out compulsively. And I thought, okay, this this is familiar. <laughs> like, I I can relate to this. Okay, because you know, in, in the gay community, we have a lot of body image issues. I was like, okay, and but I, I don't know if, if he ever showered per se. I mean, his hair is very greasy. Um, uh, but but it was just so disgusting that he'd been with multiple people and there's no shower the same outfit he also had a landline phone which i just think is too much to unpack okay (laughs) so this being said in philly also made me think about one of my favorite shows growing up which is the american queers folk i say american even though they definitely shot it in canada and then they said it's supposed to be philly Um, (laughs) exactly it seems like it could easily have been set in the same universe as Queer as Folk because, like, where it is in time, like, it could be in the same place. Like, I was just waiting for Brian Kitty to walk through the door. Oh, suddenly it's a crossover. Like, it doesn't seem like 2015 at all. And well, also the way that, like, everybody can get to everybody's place so easily. To- and the streets are desolate. Like, what Philly... I I don't know. I, I used to perform in Philly back in the day. This is like over 10 years ago. Um, I was fresh out of college. And then I've been to Philly more recently. And Philly has never been that white. 
So it's it's just, it boggles my mind. Like, who is working on this movie to make sure that everything is accurate? Why does no one have a cell phone? Um, why is there no mention of apps? If this was in 2015. Uh, Grindr's right. been around since 2014. Yeah, nobody's so, on Grindr. <laughs> I'm like, people don't meet at the bar like this. If, if you see someone that you think is attractive, you pull out your phone, you look to see what apps they're on. Um, you look to see <laughs> what their preferences are. And then maybe, you know, you... Um, you try right you but, might you might like text them on the app and be like i think we're in the same bar <laughs> and then you look up from your phones <laughs> um bt dubs i'm looking at my notes here and i just want to go back to the peen for a second uh because <laughs> this guy was very anxious to have sexy time he goes to the bathroom removes all of his clothes this is mr i have a girlfriend i don't really know what's going on i just want to have sex with a man uh so he's so excited he's aggressive with the kissing right goes to the bathroom comes out he walks out butt naked with a flaccid penis and so i remember thinking to myself like if it's so important to show a ween why is it why is the why is everyone ready except for the ween yeah like doesn't that say a lot about like his mindset like his comfort level or lack thereof i'm, I'm like uh, maybe i'm reading too much in his dick <laughs> if i'm ready to go i'm ready to go yeah he was not ready to go yeah and yeah and it, it was it was also did i was curious how like did y'all feel a little like the the young man who had sex with brian like he realized after the fact, like that he wasn't ready or did you feel like he was just like having his own panic and like internalized homophobia or do you think it was both? I think we all, <laughs> I can't speak on that. I'll just speak on myself. There are times <laughs> where, I, where I think about hooking up with other people and I'm like, I really just need to like get her out there. And then I rub one out and then I'm like, I'm good. And I'm like, I can't believe I was just thinking that. I'm so glad I didn't do that. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And you feel like I've like, woke up next to people. I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, oh. Yeah. 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 I mean, that happened to me a lot. That's <laughs> <laughs> a safe space. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, like, I remember going home with like a guy that had like 10 dogs or something. And then I just oh. like woke up. And the bed, and there were just all these dogs, and I was just oh like, "Where God. am I?" <laughs> That's so funny and terrifying. <laughs> he, was like, like, he was also like almost seven feet tall, and like you know me, I'm very short. And I was like, "What were even the logistics?" <laughs> Maybe he had to stack his dogs, and then you never mind. <laughs> I was like, "You sat on a dog." I was like, "No, that got weird quick." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like sometimes you come home with somebody and you're just like, I, I'm not, this is not, I'm not, you know, it, it, it seems, seems like pretty normal to me. And I feel like if somebody feels that way, you should just be chill and like, let them leave. <laughs> yeah. Like if it hurts your feelings, which is valid, it's not going to help for you to scream at them. Like they're not going to change how they feel. <laughs> like you're just going to feel embarrassed. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. 
So, I, I, used to, uh, I used to date this guy who had a dog, and um, while we were doing, while we were making loveies, um, the dog had to be present in the room because I had separation anxiety. And um, I remember uh, he, he would say, "Is everything okay?" Because I I would go soft, and uh, I was like, "Well, you know, um, uh, your dog is pressing its cold nose against my uh, thigh, and I'm a little uncomfortable." Sorry, that's incredible. <laughs> I had, yeah, I had an ex like who had a dog and she always had to be in the room and she would try to get on the bed sometimes when we were having sex. And it was so, I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) This is taking me out. It was really bad. It's it's like Like, a, a, it's like a threesome at that point. Well, yeah, there was a point where I was like, do you just want to fuck your dog like what's going on like why can't your dog ever be away from us <laughs> like what is going on if your goodies um, and peanut butter let the dog lick it off um pray right. to god you don't get a uti and keep it moving just figure it out yeah um yes. okay so okay, um, I, I have a question who what is the old man's name and also what is his deal because <laughs> he's just sitting in like He's just sitting in a limo. His name is Bob, and I love how these names are so original. <laughs> you got Jim, <laughs> Bob, Bob Brian. Dan, Brian, you know, <laughs> Drew. Um, uh, you know, Bob is apparently um, he stole a bunch of high schoolers' prom limo, uh, took it over, and he drove around the city to judge everyone because he said something like like oh they're not good enough for me he'll be dead in a year you know referring to like the the drug addicts yet he's an alcoholic so the fuck the like so upsetting because it's like you're just trying to pick up anybody why are you being choosy right now why are you being judgy <laughs> He was he was awful. He he was a mess. You know, I got the sense that maybe he, so the older guy and also the artist, I think his name was Drew. I got the sense that they might have had larger parts in the movie and maybe um they were cut out. Um Yeah, I feel that way too, because like Bob, like so the Bob character, he's in a limo, he's an older, well off guy who's cruising for young men and literally like a cat caller. Like he like pulls over and like hits on men. Uh and then and then Coleman Domingo plays Drew, this sculptor. And wonderful. He's he's fantastic. Um, but I definitely felt like both of them I wish that even though I don't like Bob's character. Um, I wish that we had a little less of Brian and a little more of one of them. Agreed. In my opinion. Because uh, Brian, I think, is the character who's on screen the most. That's the writer. Yes, but Jim was the one who Bob referred to as the beautiful something. So I was like, wait, is Jim the title character? Maybe they should oh, have started true. the movie off with him. Because, yeah, um, because- Oh, no, 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 you go. <laughs> I, I just felt like uh, Brian um, at the end, like reading his poetry, like as a narrator almost, I just felt like he was the title character, but he wasn't the beautiful something because Bob didn't say so. Bob drove right past him in his limo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Bob, it, it was like, yeah, that's that's interesting. It's like Brian's kind of the narrator and Bob is like the gaze. And then like, uh, what was the name of the character who was the beautiful something? Jim? Jim. Yeah, Jim. 
And then Coleman is just like the cool artist who deserves better. Coleman, Coleman deserves a better movie. Like he's sitting in his studio and he's in a better movie. And then everyone else is in a different movie. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I love how Coleman never, he never leaves that space. I mean, when you mentioned that, like, it takes place within a night, which is still wild to me, it makes sense that he never leaves that space because, like, he's at home. He's not going to go out. But every single time it cuts to him, I'm just like, what if this was just like a chamber piece and they were just all in that studio? (laughs) I just kept on, like, remaking the movie because as the movie itself, it's like, Brian is trying to get anyone to love him, anyone to fuck him, anyone at all. And, like, Jim is just, like, trying to decide whether or not he's going to stay with Drew or go do something else. And Bob is just being terror like a like a, an emotional terrorist, just chaos, really. <laughs> um, and then there's, like... Then there's like another guy, um, Sergio, I believe, who I don't even know if Sergio comes up. Like I saw him. at He's at the end talking to Brian. And like, that's the one that Brian ends up with. But I was trying to think that like, does Sergio show up earlier in the movie? They talk to each other like he did, but I didn't see him. Um, he did. So I, I was so annoyed because at one point, um, Brian sees Jim on the street. And then so Brian follows Jim back to Drew's house. And so Jim says, hold on. And Jim goes into his house and he has a screaming match with Drew. And he says something like, um, uh, I'm, I'm not your human sacrifice. He like went from zero to 60 in a matter of seconds. Oh, uh, yeah. in that exchange. And I so, like talk forever about that scene, but anyway, go on. But but he he's talking to Drew. He's also opened a beer. He's have he's having you know um, a moment, all while Brian is patiently waiting for him outside in the cold. Now it's like, what gay man waits that long? You know what I mean? I would never. Yeah. But while well, they're having that exchange, Sergio shows up on his bike and he's like, "Hey, I have some, I have some weed. If you want to go smoke it somewhere." And Brian's like, no, I'm waiting for someone, but I don't know his name. Uh, so then Sergio's like, catch you later. So that so <laughs> Sergio is like this like very strange, magical, realist character who just appears on a bike and is like, obviously you're gay and I'm gay and we're into it and I have weed and you trust me. <laughs> like there's so <laughs> many things going on with his interactions where I'm like, wait. Who actually offers weed? Like, yes, I've, I've smoked weed with strangers for sure. But like, who just rides up? He's not trying to sell weed. He's like, I want to smoke with you. Like, I don't know. There's just so many factors going on that are unrealistic. Also, I hate that he's wearing a side. This goes back to what year is this? He's wearing like a sideways hat, like oh. 90s, like faux hip hop style. And then he he says, yo, multiple times. Yeah. I'm like, what? He's like, yo. And I'm like, I hate this for him. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Like, okay. Like, I'm not going to make this like a giant sticking point. Like, I'm not angry about it. But like, it's very clear that this director like doesn't really understand people who aren't white and it's and it's very funny to watch him like try to parse through it and it's interesting because like he doesn't understand Sergio at all so Sergio is just doing like what what the fuck ever he just like shows up and he leaves and whatever very magical but Drew 
Drew, I have a whole thing about Drew. The thing about it is, is that like the director is aware that Drew is like a very attractive, like sexy man. Like the sex scene, Kyle, Kyle did not watch the whole movie with me, but he was like walking by the door and like heard the sex scene between Jim and Drew and he stopped oh, and then we watched one. it together. Oh, that was a um, great scene. That was a great that scene. That was the one scene that Kyle watched and it was just like, it was a really good sex scene. Like it was blocked really well. Like it looked like two people having sex, like the sound were like I was just like man like straight people really need to catch up to this as well um but the thing about Drew though is that like I don't know how to I don't know how to explain the way the gaze on Drew but it's very much like I find like it's like the director saying I find black men very attractive but also scary. <laughs> yes, there's so much fear towards him. Well, well, Drew's lines were, um, "What's my name? Say my name." That was like his only like repeating line. Like, "Say my name. Say it again. Say my name." I'm like, why are they making him say that so much? <laughs> He's a very talented actor. Give him some more to work with, you know. Um, I, I, I did think that that was a very sexy scene. However, this was another problematic issue for me, and that is like, um, in gay sex you well let's just not necessarily just gay sex in anal sex there should be lube because when you don't have a slippery hole to plow through then there's tearage uh so so i just don't feel to me that that took me out i'm like where's the prep yeah i have i have had anal sex without lube which is probably more than anyone needs to know about me (laughs) (laughs) um Mm -hmm. not great very bad <laughs> very bad <laughs> yeah i don't know and it was so wild because like i didn't know that so like after i had done it and found out that people used lube because like the guy that i did it with did not tell me that of course he didn't because he didn't want to use it for some reason and then i found out later and it was like wait there's a way that this couldn't have been like uh-huh. incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> lube is like money you can't have too much <laughs> yeah. if you want more I always that. i always want more I always want, yeah, like I, I, I mean, was just, yeah, worst case scenario, you're extra wet, you know, that's fine. You know, yeah. days, we, we can't really have like spontaneous sex. It's, it's there's a lot of prep that, that goes into, um, that, that goes into, uh, preparing to receive. If, if you, if, if Drew were to surprise me the way he surprised Jim, uh, then he would pull out what looks like a chili dog and then he's got to buy new sheets. And that's why all the gays work at Bed Bath and Beyond because we need the hookup on them. It's, it's ridiculous. I was like, "How is this possible? This is not real." Oh my god! I've, I listen to a lot of this podcast called The Read, and like, there's a lot in both. Like the the hosts are are gay, so like, so people call in like asking questions, and there have been so many letters that have just been like. My boyfriend refuses to bottom for me (laughs) (laughs) because he doesn't want to do all of the prep required. Like there have been so many letters about like he won't bottom for me. He will only top like and, and there's just like this whole thing of like never wanting to be the bottom because it takes more effort, I guess. 
It's true. The bottoms deserve a lot more credit. You know, there's been times I've been on dates and and like I've ordered, you know, like a meal. And right. uh, and my date's been like, uh, you're going to eat all of that? Yes, I am. Yes, you told me to order whatever I wanted and then I want this. But the expectation is to just get a light, <laughs> a light salad <laughs> so that they don't have to spend the next morning at the dry cleaner, I guess. So, <laughs> and you're like, listen, life is short. I'm gonna just roll the dice on the meal and maybe the sex. We'll see if this goes well. <laughs> you know, I guess so. I, I, um, I, I think that the intention with that sex scene was to imply that sex, like physicality, you know, sex was the driving force of their relationship. Um, yeah. But it was hard for me to grasp that because I was like, where's the lube? You can't even at least at least hock a loogie in it. Use some spit and determination, dear lord. Yeah, no, I mean, like their whole thing was like very weird. Like he's just like constantly like holding Jim's face and like telling him that he's beautiful. And like like the fifth time, I was just like, this is one of the most celebrated theater actors of our time. Can you yeah. give him something else to fucking say? I agree. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely agreed. Because the thing is, like, he, there was no, I've seen actors of his caliber in movies of this quality that, like, you can tell they just phone it in. Like, they're like, I'm not going to give this everything, you know, like, this doesn't deserve. But what I love about him, one of the things I love about him is that he's still, like, he's here. He's in the movie. And like you said, Jordan, it is like he's in his own movie because he's separate from all the other actors so much of the time. But also he's just doing such a good job with so little <laughs> like he's like i'm gonna fucking play the shit out of this actor character named drew well i think I mean, that this um, uh, artist character sorry well I, I think that uh i think that actor is based in philly so i think he's known as a philly actor and like um uh a a, a gay socialite in the philly scene and um i i don't know i i, I think that if there was a gay movie being filmed in my hometown, even if I felt like I was above it in my career, I would still want to be part of it because that's my city. So yeah. I wonder if maybe that was like a charity case for him. He was like, you know what? I'm going to do this for my city because they need me. Maybe. I don't Probably. know. And I, I definitely brought the, the, I mean, the, the movies higher in ranking because of him, in my opinion. Yeah, no, he really he really elevates the film and kind of like kind of like challenges the actors to rise to meet him, which is why I kind of wanted him to meet Brian to see that if like them interacting would make this guy try try harder. I don't know. And I okay, so it took a very long time for me to realize that Jim and that kid that Brian fucks at the beginning were two different people. Also, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they do. They are like they look different, but at the same time, they are very similar types. So I totally like. I had a moment where I was confused because I saw like the picture that Brian keeps of his straight 
roommate. I thought that that was a picture of the kid that he had had sex with from the bar. Yeah. I think the moral is that like Brian has too many men to keep track of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like all of the ones that he hooks up with are white and like around the same age and have brown hair. So, you know, it gets well, confusing. Honestly, if I were to rename this movie, I would call it like chasing the twink because that's really all that's happening here. Everybody is chasing this boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's true and i also felt like um okay so brian in the beginning had this like let's just call it a piggy bank he had this like jar of like random loose change and like crumbled up dollar bills you know and then um I, then later on you see jim packing remember the beginning jim uh he's he's packing a suitcase and he packs a backpack but he puts like four things in it it reminded me of you remember the show um full house back in the day and there's the episode where stephanie tanner drives the car through the kitchen Yes. I actually do remember this episode. And she's like, oh shit, I gotta I gotta get out of here. So she grabs her backpack or suitcase and she puts Mr. Bear in it and she's like, all right, see you later. That's what this kid reminded me of. I'm like, where's all your stuff? You're an adult, but you have like two outfits. He has this like clothes rack and he had like four things on there. It's like, what kind of gay are you? What is this? Um, but everyone's such like a starving artist and minimalist. I don't know. Yeah, and, I, I and again, that. it's like, this is all... Like, what year is this, right? Like, it feels current, but at the same time, like you've already said, there's no apps. They have phones, I feel like, but I actually don't, like, like I don't know if they have smartphones. Like, and I don't know if that, I mean, I guess that was, was obviously an artistic choice to just, like, not include the internet in this. But well, it's yeah, interesting. It's about, like, I guess it's about, like, I actually really don't know what, this movie is about and i think that that's my problem i don't know what it's about i don't know what conclusions we're supposed to get from it aside from like white men are annoying which i knew that already (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um well i have to say that um jim is clearly uh gonna be a successful actor because he's read romeo and juliet i was like how cliche can this be how what the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah um, oh my god now, i'm not sure what the point is but but you know i had a conversation with a friend of mine who's older and he loved the movie and uh his his um impression was different than mine because he was like listen we don't have a lot of like gay movies we don't have a lot of gay shows and gay representation he's like you know back in the day the only gay movies that there were were about eight you know and um yeah. uh so, so I think that, you know, some people might just be excited to see a movie that's not centered around um, the uh, HIV uh, uh, pandemic of the uh, epidemic of the, of the 80s. So, um, you know, I, I, I see that, you know, and, and I understand, I, I kind of get the sense that this was uh, set maybe early 2000s because I, I don't get the sense that there was any cell phones or apps. Uh, I also got the sense that there was still a lot of shame. I mean, there's a lot of shame at being homosexual, but, but I think it's gotten better over the years. I just know that um, I, I kind of related to this a little bit because being a kid of the 90s, um, I, I just know that when you were in school in the 90s, you were taught that there was a correlation between homosexuality and HIV. That the, the gay community... Um, uh, was more susceptible to um, HIV because of um, uh, unprotected sex. 
And so uh, we were also taught that if you got HIV, you're going to die of AIDS. That was pretty much what we were taught in school in the 90s. It was really scary. And so no one wanted to um, uh, take ownership of being gay because you didn't want to be correlated with AIDS. So uh, there was a lot of um, um, shame just for being gay. And uh, I, I get the sense from, from these guys that, they, that there was a lot of uh, um, shame and, um, I don't know, a lot of, of self-torture. And because um, there's a lot of people saying that what I have is a sickness, what I have is a disease. And I thought to myself, no, it's 2020. Or I guess in the movie, it's 2015. You, it's not a disease anymore. No, it's socially acceptable. No, no. Becky likes to have a gay friend. We're cool. We're trendy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there time. is. I, yeah, there is definitely um, almost like just a tonal. There's a tone of secrecy, you know, uh, in the movie. And like, because like the gay, the fact that the gay bar, well, there's two gay bar scenes, but like the first gay bar scene is like kind of depressing and empty. It's not fun. It's not like, oh, groups of friends hanging out or like a cute date. It's like kind of this like ghost town. And then later there's like the the busy, it's the same bar, it's busy and, uh, you know, people are drunk, but it's it feels stressful. It feels, um, maybe also part of this might go back to like, the kind of gray skies, confusing weather, and the fact that it doesn't have like a super, there's not like a big plot. It's just like, it's these different men interacting with each other throughout the night that it, it feels, um, lonely to me. It felt lonely. Yeah. Because yeah, there's lonely. no, there's no friendship in this, you know, there's no, it's just the men who have had sex with each other. And most of them are, it's casual and casual can be really intimate and beautiful, but like, because Brian is at the center of so much of it, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? It, it's, uh, yeah, it's, there's a sadness to that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe that's what I was feeling while I was watching it. Like I was very like depressed, but I didn't really know why. And I couldn't figure out why everyone was so sad. <laughs> and like your description of it, Chris, is like, it, it really like makes sense of it for me. Cause I didn't really know where the angst was coming from. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, when, when I was, when I was younger, um, there were, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this from other communities as well, but, but just being, being gay when I was younger, uh, there was no like, you know, uh, gay characters to look up to like later on in my high school years, there was Will and Grace, you know, um, but, but there's no like gay characters unless it was, you know, a novelty, like a shopping friend or something. Uh, but, but when I was younger, uh, there was no, you know, stories about a young, a nice young man will be a nice young man. They'll fall in love. They'll get married. They're happy babies because it was illegal to get married. And to this day, it's still hard to adopt if you're, a, a, you know, a, a gay couple. So um, uh, I, I totally understand maybe what the, um, the player, not the playwright, the, the screenwriter is trying to say in the sense that, you know, we, we have a lot of deep rooted, um, issues to work out. And we, we have a lot of therapy to get through. And just as a community, we have a lot of work to do emotionally, but I, I couldn't really connect to that because I was so caught off guard with all these other details in the movie that took me out, like no safe sex 
And um, I don't know, like, it just wasn't true to the time period. What what season is it? Why is why is one guy wearing gloves and a hat, but Jim's packing his bag and he's wearing a t-shirt and a light jacket? I just, I just don't understand. Why why yeah. is it, why is it if if it was um if you didn't have the funds to pay extras, then don't set the show in Philadelphia. Set it in Scranton. That way, it makes more sense to to not see much diversity and uh, that you know. Um, there's only one central gay bar. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And like, why would Sergio and Brian end up together at the end and we never see Sergio? Like, you know, we spend so much time with Brian and we spend so much time just kind of seeing these other characters and Sergio just kind of pops in at the end so that Brian can be with someone after. It's kind of like that. It's the whole thing of like, once you stop looking for someone, you find someone like that cliche. It's like once Brian calms down from, you know, trying to show his poetry to his straight friend and then following around um, Jim, right? Once he, he, he's finally like, okay, I'm just going to go home and calm down. Then Sergio appears. It's like this, the, throughout the night, like we start with Brian. He hooks up with a guy that we never see again. He goes to, <laughs> climbs through his straight friend's window, tries to kiss him, talks to him about poetry. And then we, we switch over to Drew and Jim. And Drew is like, he's a sculptor, but he's taking photos of Jim and they have hot sex. But Jim is all conflicted because he wants to be an actor and he feels objectified. You know, um, Jim never got the finish. Maybe if Jim got the top more, he wouldn't be as upset. You know, you got you got to share the wealth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, maybe this is maybe Jim was frustrated and angry at Drew for even though he's like living in this gorgeous place with this gorgeous man uh, who really does seem caring maybe jim was just mad because he hadn't like gotten an orgasm in a while even though the sex maybe. looked hot like you know his, yeah. his sphincter gave up his sphincter was like <laughs> nope i'm done <laughs> his fingers his sphincter is what was in that suitcase yeah <laughs> backed up. um okay so so sergio i felt really bad i think i think that the director was like we need we need a quote-unquote thug that's what we need. We need a man of a darker skin tone with tattoos. We need weed to be the basis of his storyline. And you know what? When he comes out on his bicycle, we need a police siren um, sound effect in the background. Did you guys notice that? As soon as Sergio shows up, there's a police siren sound cue. And I was like, gotta be fucking Yeah, there's me. a police siren. And then, yeah, and then he has like his hat to the side. And I was like... What is this? <laughs> like, yeah, why? No, it, it's like, it's wild. That whole thing is wild. And the whole time I've been sitting here and I've been trying to figure out, because we usually do recommendations at the end of the podcast, I've been trying to figure out what to recommend. I don't know. Like, I think the a big problem with this is that it's about, like, four different guys. And I don't really think that the director really knew how to juggle that. I think that that's, like, a major issue. But, um... So I try to think of something that's like one love story that still has a lot of like darkness and angst. And what I came up with is a film called Keep the Lights On, um, written and directed by Ira Sachs that I really, really like. And it's about like the troubled relationship between 
a filmmaker and his boyfriend who has like um addiction problems and like it's got like so much of the so much of the angst and like the sadness and like the depression of this but it's like really really well done and it's one couple so we get to like follow their relationship from like hooking up to like a relationship to like breaking up the relationship and like all of those different things um have you seen it chris i have not but i'm going to yeah i i think it's really good i mean iris x is like a really good director um so, yeah, I um, want to watch that, and I want to hear what you think of it, Chris. Totally. Right now, I've just been uh, a friend of mine recommended uh, this show on Amazon Prime. It's called Cucumber. It's based in um, uh, London. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I know about Cucumber. Oh, yeah, that's a good show. Beautifully written. Oh my gosh, so good. Um, so I, I want to say that at the end of the of the um, movie, we got to see like. A, a softer side of, of Bob talking about his um, his partner that died of Vietnam. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. And it was very important for the writer of this um, movie to make a point to have a younger character assume that the partner died of AIDS so that the older character could correct him and say, no, it wasn't that he died in Vietnam. Because uh, I do think that there is an assumption that the younger community doesn't have as much respect for what the older community went through, um, and and so I, I that's another example of why I think that this was written by a much older um, gentleman. Um, but um, one thing that I I did notice about Bob that I didn't necessarily care for was that he was so bougie. He was really imp- it was really important to him for, to him to see everyone. Um, to, ha- to have everyone see him in a limo. And then when Jim told him his name was Jim, he was like, nope, that's not good enough. You are Prince James. And when I refer to you, it sounds bougier. If I call you Prince James, I'm going to take you to a fancy restaurant and I'm going to flaunt all this money and you're going to appreciate it because you're young and that's what young people appreciate. So um, uh, I, I, even though I didn't care for the character Bob, I, I did like that there was a discrepancy of generations in, in this film. So I do, I, I kind of wish that there was uh, more of a um, different, um, I don't know. I, I kind of wish that, that each character kind of embodied something, but I felt like everyone was a hot mess except for Drew. Yeah. He had a beautiful scene by himself. <laughs> oh, my God. oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. We forgot to mention that scene where he's just like, Opening his heart to Jim, and then find out that Jim's not even there. But he's so respectful to not go in Jim's space. Uh, yeah, like his house. He didn't go in his like. What a great guy. Yeah. yeah, like the fact that he's like having this really vulnerable, intense conversation where you know it's after their fight, and he's like, you know what? I'm sorry for freaking out. I just don't want to lose you. But if you want to go to New York to become an actor, like you know, I support you, and I just love you, and I just want you to be happy and okay. And and of course, like Coleman Domingo is just like crushing it. You know, he's putting all of his feeling, all of his body into it, and then he finally opens the door after like getting out all of these big feelings and realizes that Jim's not there. And of course, at this point, Jim is, Jim has already had sex with Brian and is now in a limo with Bob. Um, he had sex with Brian with no, no condom and still no lube. Mind you. Right. It's a right. Common theme. We should call it no condom 
Philadelphia. <laughs> no condom, Philadelphia. No protection, Philly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, uh, I just feel like that scene was like one of the strongest scenes and he's the only one in it. (laughs) And I think that really confirms like what you were saying, Jordan, that this part of it is just that this movie doesn't know how to juggle all these characters. So then they're not developed enough for a slice of life to work. Like a slice of life really needs really well-developed characters to work because you don't have plot to distract you from underdeveloped characters. So with the characters kind of thinly sketched, um, it's harder for it to like work as well. I yes. whenever I watch a movie, I like to I like to root for some sort of like I like to root for love. I, I I like for there to be at least one couple that I'm really rooting for that I want to work out. I didn't want any of them to find anyone special. <laughs> I didn't want any of them to work out. I thought they were all toxic for each other. I think that Drew deserves a lot better. Uh, I I think that. Bob might be dying of like, you know, corrosives of the liver or I don't know. He just, he had like a weird moment. I don't know. I think they're all a hot mess. I yeah. couldn't, I didn't want to fight for anyone. I was like, okay, y'all just need, every single one of y'all need therapy. <laughs> this was actually an advertisement for better health. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast with us. And do you have anything that you want to plug? Um, there's no live comedy performances at the moment. So uh, not necessarily. But hopefully when uh, the world opens back up, you can see me do my thing in New York. Fantastic. Where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on Instagram, chris.more.comedy. Or on Twitter, see more comedy. Um, you can find my podcast, Frat Chat Podcast, where we talk about dirty things. So don't, uh, it's not safe for work. And um, otherwise, you can um, find me when the bars open back up in the West Village. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and y'all know where to find me and that we love you. And if you're listening, then you're a patron or just someone special that we let hear this. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. 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 Thanks. Aww.